Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Tanya. I'm Stuart. And I'm Pam. We're all property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. This week, Stuart and I are joined by Pam and Tanya, who have been investing in property together for seven years now. And they also run a, a very popular and successful landlord meetup based in Crawley, at least back in the day when uh, when people were allowed real physical meetups, that, that happened. And they've made a, a very good transition to online meetups in the last year or so. And today they have agreed to, to join us to talk about choosing property locations. So this is going back to uh, sort of getting started in, in property series. And Stuart and I have talked before about how we chose our locations. And some of that was sort of accidental, I feel. I mean, there was perhaps not so much accidental as how life presented things. But I know, Pam and Tanya, you guys have very deliberately chosen some of your locations. And I thought it would be interesting to to dig into that process. So perhaps you could start off by giving us a, a little bit of information about where your property investments are and then we can we can head into how you ended up with them being there our first main location was crawley and so the whole thing was so we we decided that we wanted income both of us wanted income at the time so of course the the first thing we had to do is assess demand so we looked around uh, near us where was uh, a place that had demand and you know, with Crawley, with um, Gatwick Airport and uh, the Manor Royal Business um, Park, it just seemed like a really good place. So when after that, then we looked for um, transport links and we found um, a 24-hour bus that, that went from the airport to our uh, where our, uh, quite a few of our houses are. So that was our starting point. So Tanya, do you want to add something? Yeah, I mean, part, part of our thoughts as well were because my background's interior design and I have, have had an interior design business at the time, things have changed this, this year because I've relocated. But um, so we and, and Pam had children still at home and, you know, um, we, we didn't want to have to go too far. We had investigated on kind of separately before we kind of came together. We'd investigated the big trek north. And both of us had kind of really felt that actually that's too far away. So we had too many commitments holding us back from from going further away. So we decided we wanted to to invest locally. And both of us, we kind of almost independently, then when we started talking together, both kind of came up with Crawley very quickly, didn't we, Pam? Do you remember that? We were just like, Crawley, HMOs is what we thought very, very quickly, because we'd already done our own separate thinking and strategizing prior to sitting down and having and suddenly realizing actually we were a good yin and yang match to do joint venturing together or working together. At that time, how far away was Crawley from you? Um, half an hour, both of us, it was half an hour, yeah. And, and now for me, having relocated last year, it's three and a half hours away, but there's a reason for being where I am, so <laughs> which we'll talk about later. And just um, because we because we are at the start of a series and we're talking about why people choose the things they do, you you opted for HMOs purely for cash flow. Yeah, yeah. We I mean, a lot of that was um, 
because it, it was income was the strategy we both had experience in property so we felt that we were experienced enough to 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 go into hmos we'd had some training additionally which is where we actually met through a, a um a training company also we were working we built our portfolio with very little of our own money in so i've had got no money in pam had a, a, a pot of money but it wasn't going to be big enough to actually make an income that was the kind of income that she wanted from property so we knew we were going to be working with investors therefore they they expect to be paid you know how very rude um <laughs> so yeah. we also had to factor that into our deal what our deal was going to be how, you know how to make it a deal so the only way that that would really work is if it was a, you know we could get the most out of the um property income out of the property and um hence hmos worked for us on that that level as well and how did you set about purchase number one or property number one then yeah, I mean, we um, we basically um, we, we went to see a whole lot of properties, and um, most of them we thought that we could only get four bedrooms. But then we saw a, a footprint that we could get five bedrooms, and that was just a game changer for us. Mm. So um, we, you know, we just went around looking, and and we found a property, and you know, you just got to hold your breath and jump, really. You know, once you've done all your analysis, and and. Um, at the time, there were very few HMOs, or there were very few professional HMOs in Crawley. So when, once we had completed our first refurb, we put an advert on Spare Room, and we had about 40 replies within a few days, in fact, less than that. And we, so we, we were asking a deposit at the time, a holding deposit, and people were just stuffing money in our hands saying, please, please, I want this room. Yeah. And we suddenly <laughs> realized, wow, there is such a demand for this, which, you know. I wish it was that uh, the case nowadays like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. So demand was cl really clear cut. There was definitely, and we in the process of going around looking at properties. Um, so we we've always bought via an agent. We haven't you know done anything particularly clever as far as finding the properties. We've gone on Rightmove or Zoopla or something like that, and and phoned up the agents and got taken round and started putting offers in. So we. Were, taken seriously i mean some we 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 um we were blagging it really <laughs> the way weren't we pam <laughs> some of our conversation oh yeah we've got lots of property oh yeah you know that that kind of thing kind of talking the talk but not necessarily having the full experience yeah well i, I think um I, I think to a certain extent you, you have to do that because it's um yeah, it's the only way you're going to get in because if you if you rock up to your first meeting with a with a tenant or an estate agent and say yeah we've never done this before we've got no idea what we're doing yeah chances are you're not going to succeed <laughs> i mean we slipped up a couple of times but then we suddenly realized that actually we probably knew we, we definitely knew more than the agents did about certain things you know especially about how the money worked and all that kind of stuff so we then we, it kind of built our our confidence didn't it pam going just going around and and you know, first of all, we were we were scared even approaching agents, and then it, and so together we kind of had the right had enough confidence and and I, you know Pam was very good at approaching the agents and I was very good at putting the offers in because Pam you got scared about putting offers in didn't you? <laughs> 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 no, you do it, you do it, you do it, you do the negotiation, Tanya. <laughs> Did you have to go through many offers before you got one accepted? Uh, we didn't actually uh, because you know we we did a lot of analysis beforehand so um i mean we did quite a few viewings but but um we got this one accepted you know 
reasonably quickly, actually. And, and what helped us a huge amount was actually setting up a Crawley Property Meet because we kept on meeting a few landlords when we were um, busy doing viewings. And then we, we said to Nick and Phil, we said, well, uh, let's have a coffee together. And from that, we decided, oh, there's so many landlords. Why don't we, you know, exchange ideas and work together? Or, you know, and, and that's um, that was the beginning of Crawley Property Meet. And, and it works well. And it's a great source of just contact and support and everything so we really do yeah. enjoy it so yeah. did you actually set that up before you had really got into the, the investing side of <laughs> no it no we were fully fully fledged by that point <laughs> no we 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 did have a property before uh, uh together before we set up crawley property meet sure i think it was in tandem i think we were we were in, a, in the process of of buying when we had our very first meet because we were didn't we we were actually offered a, a free room by one of the estate agents and nobody then very few people turned up nick and phil kept on turning up <laughs> yeah. but i think the agents were putting people off <laughs> as in they people didn't want to they thought it was going to be a sales pitch by the agents yeah quite yeah so um so eventually i mean by the time we kind of decided that that wasn't working and we moved to a hotel the venue to a hotel for free where we were just kind of telling people we're gonna and we all turned up and we'd have a coffee in the hotel foyer then we by then we had a property yeah yeah actually you're right because when we were meeting above that estate agents we were trying to buy a a, a house through them mm. and there was something with the tenant and it, it all fell through yeah the, the agent the agent told the tenant that we were going to keep them on and but the, but told us to be silent whenever we had to do a viewing and then it became very clear that we were going to end up buying a place with a sitting tenant which we didn't want so we put we actually pulled out yeah there was i mean there's I just, god it feels so long ago and there were so many shenanigans that kind of happened in one you know and we we actually bought our first five hmos which are all in crawley we bought them all in and did them up in 18 months didn't we pam yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hard work, but it was worth our while. Yeah, and and then and then we kind of spread the word, and I think a lot more people began to buy um, HMOs in, or set up HMOs in Crawley. Mm. And then we we found that um, there were becoming too many, and demand was going down because there was an oversupply. Mm. So we started looking around for another area. And we, we came, we discovered, a we, you know, you just keep your, your ears open. And we discovered that there was, um, Amazon was building a, a warehouse somewhere near Nottingham. So we phoned up the agents there and said, if someone is going to work at this uh, warehouse, where would they have to live or where would they like to live? And so the agents said, oh, well, they will live in a, a suburb of Nottingham, which has got sort of quite easy transport links to this warehouse. So that's why we started looking there. And when we look for a new area, we always um, look for a place that has got a population of at least 70,000. And we look for a house where we can add value. We we never, ever will buy just a, a beautiful or ready-made house because, because you can't add value to it. And therefore, you can't get your money out to go on to the next project. 
when it's HMOs as well, because obviously over time the legislation has changed, and now there's even if there's a you know houses got beautiful period doors and all of this this kind of thing, you now have to rip them out anyway to put in fire doors, and so we're there's kind of no point in us buying something that we're going to have to rip apart anyway. Just to, and and also in in the area that we bought around Nottingham, they've got very very strict and quite high standards much higher than um the basic standards in crawley and you know so so the kitchens have to be incredibly well equipped in fact i was kind of whinging that my kitchen at home was you know <laughs> was smaller and worse than the kitchens that we were being fitting for you know to be in, be within the standards in the area that we were we're, we're, in, we're in um Erewash area on the outskirts of of Nottingham and there's another reason we chose there so we it's always demand demand is really important isn't it Pam and then but also we don't want we, we like to buy on the edge or near somewhere where they've got licensing so you know you know everywhere needs to be licensed now but article four so we work so some people make a point of buying in article four don't they we make a point of I buying do, yeah. on the edge of an article four because article four might come out but if we've already got the hmo then uh, with a license we're already get we, we we should be able to turn it into into an article four hmo yeah i just wanted to step back quickly so so at the start when we we're talking about property number one pam you said that being able to convert to a four from a four to a five bed was a game changer for you. And just for those listening. A three to a five was a game changer. Yeah. And just for those listening and, and thinking about that at the start of their journey, what just, just talk us through why that was. Um, because it meant that we could get more income for the uh, from the property. Because the numbers were sort of, they were okay. But suddenly, what, if we were going to get an extra, basically an extra £500 a month for the extra room, that that was we were very very comfortable with that income and it mean it meant that we could give our investors a, a very good return so it was it was that's why it was so good for us great did you manage to rinse and repeat that on on all of the five you got in crawley yes and no <laughs> so we were buying two we bought them in quite quick succession one of them we we bought and it it only converted into a four but we were had, kind of got that one on it and the numbers worked on it anyway because the price was right the other one we suddenly realized we've got this great big l-shaped open living room living space and actually if we chopped it in in a particular way then we then we could get the five we then we bought another another house we bought as a two-bedroom house and we managed to get four bedrooms out of that so i think it's the almost being able to you know that that extra the extra bedroom and, and other people would only thought, think of it as a three bedroom house or would have dismissed it um, a two bedroom house because they couldn't, you know, they thought, oh, well, that, that won't, won't split enough. But actually we found with that four bedroom, that two bedroom that we can actually get four bedrooms out of it. So it's always, can we get that extra bedroom, you know, and if we can get the extra bedroom space, can we get a window in it? <laughs> it's kind of, you know, quite, quite crucial, you know, so sometimes, you know, if it's a if it's a terrace house, it's not going to work because we haven't got a side side area where we can get get an extra window or something. So no, we've got what have we got in in Crawley now? We've got a five bedroom. We had we also got there was a, that 
that they actually have similar footprints, but all of them are slightly slightly different. So we've got we've got one of the properties in Crawley has got like a room which creates a bridge over a walkway underneath. So that gave us an, an extra extra bedroom in that property. So they're all actually we've got two five bedrooms and the rest are, are two fours and a and a six, haven't we, Pam? Is that right? Why do you think you got there versus some other people that viewed the properties wouldn't get there? Do you, would you say it was your, your like your interior design background or other reasons? I, I think our education as well. I, and, you know, at the time there were not many people looking to do HMOs in Crawley. Mm. Mm. Do you know the first word that came into my head then was desperation? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, so running up to this, running up to this, I had been through a very bad, you know, 2008. I mm. that, that really affected my business and what I was doing, and I ended up having to, to um, the word at the moment is pivot, but we didn't have that word at the time. I pivoted several, I pirouetted several times because I had had been working a lot with developers, and the, the developer money kind of evaporated. And so I was doing all sorts of things that kind of grabbed in kind of my skills. And I'd worked until I was ill, basically. And by the time I was doing, in fact, by the time I met Pam and started the course that I was on, or we were on, I'd actually worked myself so hard that I had um, pneumonia. And I was recovering and still on tablets for pneumonia when I did some of the core courses that we were doing. So I was desperate to change my situation. And... I had worked with investors who had bought their portfolios in the old olden days when you could do the kind of 48 hour to change round and, you know, buy, buy below market value and all that kind of stuff. And so I knew that you could. Express mortgages. Express mortgages. Yeah, those things that brought yeah, us down I had in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, that, so I'd worked. So I knew it could be done. But I didn't know how to do it. And I had recognized in my illness and kind of running around that there's something I'd done something wrong. So for me, I kind of knew that there was a different way of doing things. I had been their interior designer and helped them flip properties very, very quickly or re refinance that, you know, get get them into a state where the refinance was meant, meant that they'd actually lifted the, the value of the properties. Um, and I was walking away with my fee, but I wasn't walking with, away with any of the uplift. And I suddenly had realized that there's a different way of doing that and then you could actually win on all sides. So and I was desperate to have some of that, some of that action, but I didn't know whether I could do it. But I think both Pam and I probably came at it from a from a wanting to prove to ourselves as well. Don't you think, Pam? Yeah, absolutely. Because I hadn't worked for 20 years. Or should I say I hadn't been paid to work for 20 years? I was going to say, I think parenting is probably the <laughs> toughest job anyone could ever do. And I've my hats are off to anyone that does that full time. So you've, you've certainly worked. But OK, so yeah, so, so I wasn't. Yeah, but but, you know, my confidence in the business world was quite low. Mm. And yeah, so, so yeah, we just needed to prove it to ourselves. Yeah. But um, but just coming back to what you said about the structure of how we bought them. So three of our properties in Crawley, we bought as joint ventures with investors. And then um, from then on, we've just used angel finance instead because we don't like being linked to someone for just forever, basically, you know. 
So um, that's where we are at the moment is, is some of those joint ventures, we, you know, we, we're still in them. Mm. And you just think, well, what's the exit strategy, you know, and we, mm. we're working on that at the moment. And without wanting to burst a bubble that we might have planned any of this, um, <laughs> 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 things happen, don't they? So, so, and then you have to kind of react to it. So we had, so, and effectively that's how, you know, I got into doing this and Pam, you know, and then we, then we, we, we met each other and, and, you know, you, there's like a, a tumble effect that happens. And what happened, how we ended up moving over into angeling was that we had a JV deal set up, but we hadn't got them to sign on the dotted line. So it was a mistake, which could have really, really badly affected us. But because we were doing a number of properties in tandem we had quite a lot of investors sitting there waiting for a deal to just ex go to exchange but this particular these particular people the day on uh, the day of exchange and we'd exchanged they suddenly said oh no we don't really want to get involved with this deal so they didn't bring their money and their money was the was um was going to be the to replenish our deposit that we paid and then for the refurb so we were suddenly in a situation where we didn't have a jv investor However, in the background for we, who we did mark for another job, another deal, we had some investors, but they didn't want to be when we asked them, they didn't want to JV. They just they said, oh, we just want to lend you the money. And and so suddenly we were in an angel situation, which has different paperwork and different um, associations. And we suddenly thought, actually, this is much better for us, ultimately. So for, mm. and, and it was a, it was an epiphany because we wanted to at, at first we wanted to share the responsibility and the financial burden. And then suddenly we thought, well, actually, we, we're sharing all, all the we're, we're, we're taking on all the financial burden ultimately because we were to bring in the mortgage. And, and then when we remortgaged, we were paying our investors off and they were still getting the equity. Yeah. I'm just going to pause on that, Tanya, just for a second, because uh, I think it's a really good conversation to have as well, actually, the difference in terms of angel investing and how that works versus JV. But just for those listening, because not everyone will be clear, because what I'm hearing, and again, you, um, both Pam and yourself can just talk it through. But when you talk about joint venturing, what I've heard is essentially that someone was going to bring all of the money to the table for you to make the purchase mm -hmm. and refurbish the property. And the two of you would have done essentially all the legwork. So you you were going to be what we would call the you would be like the 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 equity. You know, you were going to bring the the, the sweat equity to the deal yeah. by doing everything involved. The other partner was just going to bring the cash. Mm -hmm. I say just going to bring the cash, but they were going to bring the cash. You can do everything else, and then you'd own that property fifty fifty. Or what would the yeah. what would it look uh, like? Yes, but but we also brought the mortgage. We also brought the mortgage. So basically the mortgage is in our names so you know which is yeah. quite a big responsibility so yes yeah. so we weren't bringing in the, the investment funds but we were bringing 75 percent with the mortgage or whatever it was so but we didn't recognize the value we, we, we un underestimated our value but we also were starting out so we needed to to create very juicy deals for somebody to get involved with somebody who was you know an, an upstart really or a startup sorry <laughs> But it's understandable because you because you need the momentum, and that's my experience as well. Is without momentum, you don't have anything, and it's easy with hindsight to look back and go, "Oh," because I've got the same thing. Although I asked for sort of fifty percent of a deal where I was bringing absolutely zero money 
to the party, but I was doing everything. Yeah. I mean, everything involved in it. Yeah. So I felt that was a fair recompense. But we look back with hindsight and go, oh, actually, I probably could have asked for more because I've 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 done more. Yeah. So the way we 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 like to make things, you know, as simple and clean as possible. And I always, because of my visual kind of nature, I always like to kind of like create a visual. So our visual was always a house, a little shape shape of a house. And then Pam and I, because we were bringing the money and the sweat equity, we would split that between us. That was it. So we'd have half of it, and then we'd split that between us. So effectively, we'd have quarter each. And the people bringing in the physical money, as opposed to the bank paper money, they they would then have the other half. So if there were three of them, and they were split, and we we would say, okay, we need, I don't know, you you're good at the math, Pam. So if there were four of them, and it was eighty eighty thousand pounds we needed, and one was bringing, and each of them were bringing in twenty twenty thousand pounds, then we'd split that half into th- into four equal portions, and that's what they would get as as an equity share. Um, and the deal was always that we would give them through the deal and through remortgaging, we would give them back their money first. And then once all their money's out and we do another remortgage, however many years down the line, we would we would that would be then when we would start getting a little bit of the flip equity release kind of money. And do, do they still retain an interest in the properties yeah. in terms of yeah. rental income? Yeah, they do. They retain rental income and and equity. So it was quite um you know it was very much favoured um towards them actually. Mm. And um, had we done another JV uh, joint venture deal like that, what we would have done is is put a time limit on it and said, okay, after five years, you know, then yeah. you out the deal. But yeah. you know, we didn't do it like that, so never mind. It was the surprise angeling that suddenly opened our eyes to oh god, and the fact that we were we were wearing ourselves out, and the fact that we suddenly realised actually this is a very through necessity and through almost kind of ignorance in a way we had given quite a lot away but now we were experienced we and through experience and through an, a, a surprise experience um we suddenly realized oh actually this can be done differently and actually we're going to do you know we, it, we can bring back more balance in the long run by doing angeling instead and we it built our confidence as well we felt that well we can do it through angels and we and the and the process works we don't necessarily feel that we have to spread the risk quite so much. But I think it's a really important story to share for, for, for people that are new coming into property because we do bandy around words like no money down and investors and JV, and it all sounds really rosy. But the reality of what you've just talked through, I think, is an important lesson for for every property investor stroke developer to to understand is that there is always like you said, you know, these, and Simon and I have said it before, you know, these pesky investors, they always want a bit of money back. I don't, you know, and so there's, there's always going to be an exchange of sorts. And it might have been no money down in inverted commas, but, you know, it's it's also money away mm. from you that you could have retained. But I think it's important that you've you've shared that journey for you guys in terms of your, your, your own education about how you want to operate. Yeah. Mm. And you can start one way and you can twist it, you know, not twist it. And you can you can manipulate it or or, you know, start recognizing once you've had experience, you know, with that, that has we're a lot less risky as people 
and as people to invest in, which is effectively what a JV partner or a, a um, an angel investor is doing. They're investing in us, aren't they, really, with the, with the view that there's going to be a property that is some sort of collateral. But we're, we're a heck of a lot less risky than we were when we first started out, don't you think, Pam? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and actually, we used to um, pay um, more interest in those days than what we do now for, to reflect that exact situation. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of interest were you paying? Um, t- we were paying 10%. Yeah. And actually, um, our latest angel, we, we, um, we're paying 5%. Brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, come down quite a lot, yeah. And also, if an angel comes in at the beginning of a project, we, we give them more money because, obviously, the risk in the project is, is higher when, you know, it's an uninhabitable building or, or we're going to make it in, into an uninhabitable building for a while. But once we – because we, we, we um, flip angels in and out of deals as well. So, so if somebody wants their money back in two, two years or a year or whatever – we don't go and think, oh, we've got to find the money ourselves. We think, okay, we've got to go and find another angel who's quite happy to to put their money in this deal so we can give the other person the money back. But once the property's up and running and it's got tenants in it, the, the, the deal is so much less risky. So the new angel will often be paid less of a percentage, but heck of a lot more than they would ever get in the bank. And the old angel, so we quite, sometimes we kind of look at a, a deal, well, Pam looks at, looks at deals because she's constantly looking at the, um, not constantly, Pam. I know you've got a, you've got a life, but <laughs> she's looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think us property people had lives. <laughs> Apparently, it's all easy money, and then you get you just go off and float around on a boat somewhere, don't you? <laughs> what are we doing wrong, Pam? <laughs> but you'll look at the spreadsheets, won't you? You'll think, right, okay, so we we how do we kind of um, up up the the income for us on this? oh, we've got some angels go, that, that are, are going to ask for their money back or could ask for their money back. Why don't we tell them we want to give them their money back? Yeah. Yeah. That's all for this episode. This conversation continued on with lots more great content for longer than we'd originally planned. Rather than publish our longest episode ever, we've decided to split it into two. So please make sure you've subscribed in your podcast software and come back next week to hear more about property financing, location analysis, and lots, lots more. Show notes, links to subscribe, and all our past episodes are available at thebusinessofproperty.com. I hope you'll rejoin the conversation with Pam, Tanya, Stuart, and myself next week.